The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw, saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him about whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. This is the word of God for the people of God. A pastor of one of our largest churches in America who's written a number of bestsellers and influences thousands of people assessed the church like this and the state of our country. He said the number one problem in the United States today is Christians not living their faith. He said, I've been in ministry for years and years, and so many people who participate in our church activities simply do not apply their faith to their life, to their choices, to the practices, the way they go about their daily living. What do you think? I think it's something worth considering. We've been looking in these past few weeks about the most famous sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount by Jesus. He laid out there his view of the world and what it means to be a disciple or a follower of his, what it means to enter into this life together, which he calls the kingdom of heaven, that is, aligning one's life with God's will as we walk our way through this world. Well, those texts were all from Matthew. This morning we're moving for Lent to the Gospel of John. We're going to be looking at a variety of situations and relationships in which Jesus bridges the gap between belief and practice and helps people make the connection so that their faith is more integrated, their life is more abundant. Let's begin with the verse 38 where Jesus asked these two disciples who are following him, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? It's a question worth pondering from time to time. What are we looking for? What are we seeking out of life and out of our faith? Christian Swartz is a researcher and writer, not unlike Dr. Jones, who preached for us last week. But where Dr. Jones was focused on American Christianity, Mr. Swartz looks at international faith communities, Christianity around the globe, he spends lots of his time going to different churches, attending a whole variety of church conferences, listening for what Christian leaders are calling for. 
in that work, he says he's found that these conferences and these churches fit into three different groups in terms of what their call to discipleship sounds like. He says some of the groups are calling for greater commitment, deeper commitment from their people. But he says he goes to other churches and conferences and never hears anything about commitment. But he hears the leaders saying, we need more supernatural power. We've got to tune more into the Holy Spirit and let God work through us. He says other places aren't talking about commitment, aren't talking about power. They're talking about learning and wisdom. They're calling for people to go deeper, to be more focused, to listen more intently to what God is saying to them through the scriptures and therefore having greater understanding and wisdom and living by it, they will see problems disappear. He says at least that's what they say. Now he says we have to be really careful here when we try to determine what the right call from God might be for us. Because he says in some ways all of them are right and in other ways none of them are right. Let me read you a few sentences he's written. He says, the simple truth is this. The very thing that might be right for some Christians would be completely misleading for others. Not all Christians need more commitment, but some do. Not all Christians need more power, but some do. Not all Christians need more wisdom, but some do. He says it's important to know, to use the question from the text, what you're looking for and what you need in your life to take your next step in faith, to grow more into what God is calling you to be and do in the world. As we read through the text today, we can see that these early disciples that are beginning to follow Jesus come from different perspectives. The first one's coming just out of curiosity. John the Baptist says, there goes the man, the Lamb of God. And a couple of guys say, let's go see. They're coming sort of out of curiosity. Others come because Jesus looks right at them and says, follow me. Others come because someone who's already following comes to them and says, we've found the one we've been looking for. Here's the way. Come with us. Some come eager. Some come skeptical. Some come curious. Others come with lots of questions. People come from all different places on their journey from so many different perspectives in terms of what they're looking for and what they need from God or from their spiritual journey. What I want us to think about is the beautiful thing about faith and the way God works with us is that any one of us can come from our own perspective and God will meet us there. What are you looking for? It's a question worth asking ourselves. Most of us are not here for the first time. This is not the first time we have sought to be a follower of Christ or to walk through this journey of Lent. This is not the first time we have worshipped and tried to open our heart and minds to God. So you may not even have thought for a long time what you're looking for. You may sort of just be going through the motions. Adam Hamilton, our pastor at the Church of the Resurrection, United Methodist Church in Kansas City, has a helpful analogy here, I think. He says that the way he sees the Bible is the Bible is story after story of people falling in love with God, making a commitment to follow, following for a while, 
then over time drifting away again. He says, you know, I've been married for decades now, and that's sort of the way my relationship with my wife is. Sometimes I'm in love, sometimes I've drifted away. Now, I don't think I would have written that in a book about my wife, <laughs> but that's what he says. But he says he has some practices he uses when he finds that he's drifted away. I want to read you what he wrote. He says when he realizes he's in that position, he says, I begin by praying for her. I spend time speaking with God, asking God to fill my heart with a love for her. I then begin giving thanks for her, recalling the blessing she is in my life. I thank God for her. These words of gratitude lead to feelings of gratitude I have for her. I then begin focusing on doing loving things toward her. I seek to do things that bless her. Finally, I seek to spend more quality time with her. In the end, I rediscover the love I had at first for her. The same principles work in reclaiming my spiritual passion Hamilton writes what are you looking for fresh commitment more power more wisdom or maybe you've come up with something that's just specific to you in your life and in your journey at this point what the gospel of John is saying is that Jesus can help you bridge the gap can provide that for you that God is at work in Christ to fill you up to meet your needs to make you whole that you might experience the fullness of love and life it can come to each of us in a different way we all come from different perspectives but what I think the gospel promises is that it can come in a unique way that is just right for you that God can meet us wherever we are on our journey. This season of Lent, these 40 days beginning with Ash Wednesday and leading up to Easter, not counting the Sundays, which we consider little Easter's when we come together to worship, is a journey. All the spiritual writers talk about Lent as a journey where we're walking with Christ. We're remembering the 40 days that Christ spent in the wilderness, clarifying his identity, opening himself to God's leading, looking to make that connection, to be clear about who he is and what the call is on his own life. Typically, we gather here in the sanctuary on Ash Wednesday and have a service that invites us to observe a holy Lent, to confess our own sin, to look at our own mortality, to go deeper and look at the hard places in our lives that are broken or wounded where we need help or healing. And then at the end of that service, the congregation is invited to come to the altar rail to receive the imposition of ashes where one of the pastors put their thumb and ash and then make the sign of the cross on your forehead. Typically what we say when we make the sign of the cross is repent and believe the gospel it's a quote from jesus who says repent and believe the gospel as he begins his ministry repent and believe the gospel for the kingdom of heaven has come near he says repent is the biblical word for changing your mind 
comes from the Greek word metanoia. Meta mean change and noia or nos mean mind. It's a call to change your mind or change your direction to change things in your life that are wrong, to reorient toward God and ask God to help you make those changes, to open yourself to God's power and spirit to make those changes in your life. It's so interesting to me that there's this dynamic in the church, even though Jesus calls for change as the way he begins his ministry, that often we in the church are the ones who are against any change. It can happen at a denominational level where some are trying to move the church one way and others are disagreeing, but it can also happen in local churches. If you've been a part of a church, any church just about for very long, and they decide to change the carpet, there's a divisive fight about what color shall we use. It can be more significant things like changes in music and worship or worship style or maybe a building project. But what I've seen in churches is that there's always a fight when someone calls for change. And yet Jesus begins his ministry by calling us to change. Repent. Change your mind. Open yourself to God. Be open to new things. Let God lead you into the future. Repent and believe the gospel. Believe that God's love is here for you now. That God's love is the safest and fullest way to move into the future. To receive God's love into your life and let that be the primary thing that guides and directs you from that point on. Repent and believe the gospel. This week I was reading Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter from a Birmingham jail. This is a letter he wrote way back in the 1960s. He had been demonstrating for greater equality and justice in terms of black Americans. He had been put in jail after a group of them had paraded without a permit, they said, in Birmingham. While he was there, he received a letter of criticism from some white clergy telling him to slow down. He's moving too fast. Just wait a minute. Wait a while longer. Quit calling for justice. Quit making trouble, they were saying. He writes a lengthy letter back to them. It's worth a read. You can find it on the internet. So much of what he said 60 years ago rings true as if he wrote it yesterday. But one of the things he says when they tell him to slow down and quit calling for change he says when he looks at history what he finds is that when those in power say wait what they really mean is never stop stay where you are and king says god is calling me to call for this change this is god's will i believe to call for this change God is not endorsing the status quo, King says. And he continues to call for a change in race relations in America. Yet, even though we have heard this over and over, it's important, I think, for us to remember that Jesus begins his ministry calling us to be a people of change. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is not here yet. And so change is what God needs 
changing us, changing the world, changing the churches. We need to tune in to God more deeply. It's the call of Lent to be willing to allow God to change, for us to be willing to take a step in faith to change things we know are wrong in our lives and in our country or in our society. Jesus does not endorse the status quo when people are skeptical, when they're slow, he bids them come and see. Walk with me for a while. Follow me and let God work in your life. It's the same call we have during the season of Lent to set aside these 40 days from Ash Wednesday to Easter to walk with Jesus, to hear the gospel call, come and see Watch and wait and listen. Notice what God might be doing in the world and in your life and in your relationships. Come and see. Follow me. Try my way for a while and see what happens in your life. It has been a common practice in some traditions to sacrifice something during Lent. So lots of people fast, either take off one meal, don't eat that meal, spend some time in prayer, give the money you would have spent on that for someone else. Often the pattern is for a person to fast for a day a week. Other people give up things that are important to them, things that they will notice, things they like, but maybe things they overindulge in. So you hear about people giving up chocolate or soda pop or ice cream. I read about a group of students who have decided to give up social media, Facebook, and other social platforms because they feel like they're spending way too much time, which therefore becomes counterproductive in terms of what they're doing with their lives. So you can fast from food or fast from other things. The idea, though, is that when you think about it, oh, I'm missing a meal or I'm not doing that practice, is that that's a signal to you to pause and talk to God or listen for God. It's a way to remind ourselves. It's a sacrifice or it's self-denial, as some writers say, but it's to remind us who God is and what role God is or is not playing in our lives. To do that over the course of 30 days or 40 days can take you deeper in terms of your faith and your walk with Christ. So some people give something up. Others take on a new discipline or a new practice, some form of prayer or more Bible reading or some form of action that leads them deeper into the love of God or the love of their neighbor. So they might volunteer, feed someone at a food kitchen, or to serve someone in a way they wouldn't have done before. Or they might set aside an intentional time every day or every week to focus particularly on God, maybe to light that candle that's in the Lenten resource bag and sit and listen for God for a few moments to let all the other distractions and burdens of the world fall away and practice taking a step toward God. The Lenten journey is for us to take steps away from things that we know hurt or harm us or others and step into the healing hope and love of God ever more deeply. 
I think it's interesting to note that the different kind of practices or disciplines that are often recommended during Lent are the same kind of things that Adam Hamilton wrote about in terms of him rekindling his passion for his wife or his passion for God. I put them in your outline. He mentions prayer, reflection, thanksgiving, doing loving acts, reallocating where and how we spend our time. The idea here is that all of these can help bridge the gap between our belief and our practice between who we want to be and who we are lent can be a hard journey when we sacrifice or suffer or deny ourselves it's not always a practice we're used to it can also be a difficult journey if we're reading about the suffering that christ went through for us on his way to the cross but it can also be a great time to draw closer to god to fall in love with God again, to use Hamilton's analogy, it can be a great time to come and see, to have the experience of God's love alive in your life. Are you ready to fall in love with God again? Are you ready to fall in love with God's family again and allow God's love to be the primary and driving force in your life? It's a question Lent begs us to consider so that we might allow the love of God to fill us and transform us. Of course, what our story says today, that any time one of these disciples encountered Christ, not only did he receive a deeper relationship with God, but that disciple almost always turns and calls another or shares that with another. So it's not simply something we do for ourselves, but a way that God heals us and also heals others or offers hope to the world. Lent is not a season just about suffering and sacrifice. It's also about putting us in a place of receiving the transforming love of God and sharing it with others. So let us not confuse the means with an end. Lots of different practices we can try but all of them are to lead us into a deeper, more intimate relationship with God so that God's love is filling our lives, so that we become a vessel of God's ever-flowing love. Let's make sure whatever we choose to do during Lent, that it leads us in that direction of being closer to God, knowing God's love deeper, and allowing that love to flow through us to others. If we can do that, Lent will be a great season for all of us. Amen. And thanks be to God.